This is John Kane, and I welcome you to Let's Talk on this Saturday, July 6th. While this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do encourage and in some cases start conversations. We don't do prayers or buffalo speeches. We take a tough look at history, oppression, survival. We talk about culture, the arts, politics, identity, history. And we may step on a few toes along the way, but our real goal here is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us. We will take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all that is heaped upon us. And we do it all right here from the Cataraugus Territory of the Seneca Nation. So let's talk native. 
But before, let me remind people that you can check out our audio streaming at our website, which is www.letstalknative.com. Of course, we stream video of the show on Facebook Live. Uh, we take our video and we post it up on our YouTube channel, which is Let's Talk Native TV. We take the audio of our show and we put it up on SoundCloud, which makes it not only available uh, on the SoundCloud app, but it also puts it out as a podcast on all of your favorite podcast platforms. So I encourage people to, to check out our show live, check out our show after the fact, and uh, share it and offer your comments. Um, I, I've got Ed Schindler in studio today, and uh, I want to pick up a conversation that I started on my show in New York a couple of days ago on the 4th of July. And my show there, uh, because it was the 4th of July, I felt like it was really necessary to to delve into the reasons, the real reasons, for uh, the white colonists uh, for, uh, for waging a war against their you know their their motherland raging a war against against England why they would why they felt so compelled to declare their independence because we've been we've been fed a line of bullshit for many many years on this and i think it's time that we we set some of the record straight on this thing so that's what ed schindler and i are going to talk about a little bit um i think there is just like with the civil war you know civil war there's a whole lot of deniers out there who want to claim that the civil war had nothing to do with slavery of course it had to do with slavery uh, you know slavery was was becoming um problematic that much of the world was already moving away from uh, you know this idea of of enslaving a specific race of people and the south was didn't want any part of it I mean, slavery was the reason for the, uh, you know, for the Civil War. And it wasn't, it wasn't so much that the North was, was that much against slavery. They just knew that uh, they couldn't allow the, the, the South to secede with this uh, growing movement to, you know, to end slavery. So, uh, but the same can be said for, the, for the, this War of Independence. And, and I also think it's wrong to call it a revolutionary war. I mean, Ed, we, we were talking about mm-hmm. this, uh, you know, before we, we, before we got started here. A revol- Russia had a revolution. France had a revolution. Yeah. Great Britain didn't have a revolution. The United States was, didn't even exist. It was a war of independence. It wasn't a revolution. They didn't change the British government. They didn't topple the monarchy. They just, these were a bunch of rich white people living, uh, you know, in these 13 colonies who wanted to further enrich themselves. So I want to, I I do want to I mean my show in New York what I did is I literally went through many of the 27 charges that Jefferson listed in the Declaration of Independence uh against King George of England. And I don't need to go through all of them because many of them are pretty benign. I mean think about this. Think about the reasons how how much of a justification you would have to have for these British these Englishmen to wage a war against their fellow countrymen from across the you know from across the sea. I mean, do you honestly think it it was about taxation? You think that 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 these colonists were going to wage a war against England over taxation? I mean, because that's the line of crap that we're sold, right? That's what that's the main one of the things we're always told, right, all the way back to elementary school, is that the reasons for the Revolutionary War was about taxation without representation. Look, I hate to remind anybody, but most of Europe w- was operating as a monarchy. You, your, your king or your queen wasn't an elected representative, but you know what? That's the system that you came from. 
So the idea that you know that these these colon this colonial aristocracy had grown in their uh, in their in their lust for uh, to to further enrich themselves no longer wanted the constraints of the monarchy on what they were doing in the in the in the colonies and so what were the constraints they were worried about well we know that the, that king george had issued the royal proclamation of 1763 and that royal proclamation basically put a real high um, standard for any increase in uh, in land appropriation from native territories. Look, Great Britain had you know had been battling France, you know, at home and, uh, and um, in Europe and you know in uh, in North America. They were very grateful for the the support they got from from many of their native allies, not the least of which were the uh, the Haudenosaunee, mm-hmm. and. They wanted to make sure that um, that this these native people who who they had encouraged to to kill other white men, albeit French, weren't going to be incited to uh, to turn on them or on their their countrymen in these colonies. So the royal proclamation was was essentially a line that the, that uh, Great Britain, the king, had, had issued and said, "Look, we don't want any more expansion, at least for the time being." He did not want a problem with with native people. He didn't want the Haudenosaunee or the Iroquois, as they as they knew us, um, to to form any other unions with with any of the other with the, with the you know uh, the Shawnee or, or or anybody else, Tecumseh and company. Didn't want any other allegiances to be bound between native people who saw who may see the handwriting on the wall. Now, don't get me wrong, the King of England was absolutely committed to this idea that he would ultimately subjugate native people under the under the crown under the uh, under the you know the, the throne of England but he didn't want to uh, to try to it wasn't in his design to launch uh, you know full score uh, full scale war against native people and and especially understanding that there was no monolithic native person there was you know we there were Hundreds, maybe even a thousand uh, or so, distinct native peoples living in, in North America, and that's just not the battle that uh, that the King of England ha- wanted to have. But you know what? The colonists, they were, they were, uh, you know, just enamored with this idea that there was an unlimited amount of land that they could claim for themselves. They knew what land was to them. Land was a commodity that could make them rich. So not only did they want free land, they obviously felt very strongly about free labor and uh, and slavery. And I would argue that for all the other reasons that that you were taught little kiddies in school about why there was this this revolutionary war, this this war of independence, most of it was a lie. The real reason that the revolutionary war was fought was because the rich white men of uh, of these colonies wanted wanted to enrich themselves, and and they knew that enriching themselves meant uh, pushing pushing back, taking more lands from native people. In fact, one of the complaints, I mean, in, in case you're, I mean, most of you probably never read the Declaration of Independence. It's um, you know, before I, it, the the absurdity of of a white man, a rich white man, who owns slaves, and Actually, one of the slaves he actually you know, had you know transformed into a sex slave. So he 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 owned and raped slaves. Thomas Jefferson, yes. If look, you can't say that a slave consents to have sex with uh, with his with their master. 
that's that's not consent. If if the, if the, if a white man says he owns you, and you are bound by his orders, uh, or literally bound by you know by chains, you're not exactly consenting to to a love affair with uh, with Thomas Jefferson. So sorry, he was a rapist and he was a slaveholder. And the and the irony of this guy writing words like. Um, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know what? Thomas Jefferson, if you really believe that, then let's be clear. You may believe that all men were created equal, but after creation, that equality was going to be stripped away. It was going to be stripped away in genocide, and it was going to be stripped away in slavery. So all men may have been endowed by the creator with certain unalienable rights, but white men were going to make sure that those, uh, those, uh, those rights did not remain unalienable. In fact, that's what exactly. They were going to alienate uh, people of color from any rights that they may have been endowed, and endowed by their creator. And, and I don't think there's any way to, to, to characterize that any other way. If you read that carefully, he said, that all men are created equal. He didn't. He didn't recognize Native Americans nor, nor black slaves. He didn't recognize them as being people. Okay, and he didn't name women. Women weren't recognized as having those rights. Well, and, and they could claim, and, and and this is what they always say. Well, by men they mean man, as in mankind. Yes. And 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 there's there you know there's some debate on whether you know, these white men believed Native people were in uh, were truly human or black people were truly human but you they clearly did because you don't you don't wage war against animals you know what i'm saying you don't pass laws uh um that you expect animals to uh i mean and that's one of the things that thomas jefferson says in his um or not thomas jefferson i'm sorry um uh frederick Douglass in his speech that he gave in rochester new york uh, Mm -hmm. 1851 uh he said uh, to a slave, uh, what is the Fourth of July? You know, and, and he goes on to say, "Don't tell me that I've got to convince you that black people were human beings. You clearly you can't pass laws re- regulating animals. You knew that they were human beings. So I mean, um, they they knew we were human beings. But the fact of the matter is, he, it is it is telling what he says. He says that all men are created equal. He didn't say all men are equal. No. He didn't say that they remained equal. He said they were created that way, and then we fixed it. <laughs> then we white people, we went, and, we went and fixed it. But, you know, so there's, there's that absurdity that Thomas Jefferson, slaveholder, you know, a guy who, who, who actually talked about um, exterminating Native people, not just removing people. I mean, just in case you're not familiar with it. I mean, he actually talked about a full-scale extermination of Native people if they did not comply with complete subjugation. But in the 27 charges that, that Thomas Jefferson lays against the king, uh, the king of England, this is one of them. This is the seventh one. He says, and this, he's saying this of the king. He says, he has endeavored to prevent the population of these states for that purpose obstructing the laws for naturalization of foreigners refusing to pass others to encourage their migration hither and raising the conditions of new appropriation of land. So let's be clear what he's saying here. He's saying that the King of England, and this is almost directly in response to the Royal Proclamation of of, uh, 1763. He said the King of England was not allowing more Europeans, more Englishmen to come to the colonies. 
He wouldn't allow a population explosion in the colonies. He was limiting it. That's and, and, and that's what Jefferson is getting. He is, so not only was he obstructing laws for more naturalization of foreigners, but he was refusing to um, to pass others to encourage their migration, and also that he was raising the conditions for appropriation of new lands. So where do you think these new lands came from? So he, one of the complaints that he, that he clearly states here is he was not only uh, that the king of England was not allowing us to to build and to explode the population of these colonies. And he was not allowing us to, uh, to expand these colonies in, uh, deeper into, into Indian country. That's what Thomas Jefferson was saying in this complaint. And many of the complaints that he's making about, you know, even the taxation without representation thing. I mean, what, what you're led to believe as a child is that, is that the king of England was raping these colonies of, of, of all this wealth, that he was enriching himself with all of this money coming from the colonies. You know who was enriching themselves? The, the, the colonial aristocracy. Jefferson, Adams, these guys, Franklin, these guys were all wealthy men. They would become wealthy. George Washington. You know how George Washington made his money? Land speculation. Appropriation of lands. He was a, he was a surveyor. What do you think he was surveying? He wasn't, you know, he he wasn't canvassing the stars here. He was drawing line. He was making maps and, and and laying claims to land. So clearly, one of the things that Jefferson was was trying to charge the king was was limiting their ability to, to expand uh, the colonial land base. And and again, the taxation without representation. Much of the taxes that the king was um, was putting on. The, these colonies was to, was going to pay for the border security, the frontier security. The king of England w- was charging taxes and 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 then was paying these these so called militias to prevent conflicts at, at the frontier. The problem is many of these militias were double dealing. They were taking money from uh, they were taking money and and then violating the law and said, "No, we're still going to we're we're, we're going to take money and we're going to take land at the same time." Their their jobs were to, was were to prevent some of this. So, if you look at the if the real history, not just these 27 charges that Jefferson puts out there, but if you go back and you look at real history, what you're going to find out is that that these wealthy white men were pissed that the king of England would not allow them to uh, to expand farther into into Indian country. In fact, so what's the last charge? The last charge the um, uh, that they make against the king. So so twenty six twenty seven charges. The final charge they make is that he has excited domestic insurrection amongst us, and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers the merciless indian savages whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages sexes and conditions so if you didn't think this was about native people before he was claiming again jefferson and all those other guys who signed this uh, this document were insisting that that the basically that the, that the king of england was siding with native people and that he was getting native people on their side to to fight against you know to, to bring war and ravaging against these colonies and you know it doesn't take a, a you know much research to find out where were the worst atrocities committed in this relationship between native people and the colonists well in 1872 
A few years after this Declaration of Independence, um, there was an event that took place just over what you would consider the, the Pennsylvania-Ohio border, uh, and at least the, the modern border, um, in an area that was called a Gnedden Hutton. And there was a massacre that was known as the Gnadden Hutton Massacre or the Moravian Massacre. Now, the Native people, and there was about 100 of them that that lived there, um, they were um, devout Christians, Moravians. I mean, this is a a kind of a devoted, you know, denomination of of Christianity. And they were living in an area, um, they were kind of chased out of their their uh their community um but then ventured back to try to grab some of their um uh you know harvest some of the crops that they already planted because they were starving so they went back about a hundred of them went back to this uh to, to the moravian villages and they were rounded up by the pennsylvania colonial militia the americans the uh the the american militia and this american militia Look, these guys were, were were pacifists. They they were they hadn't taken a side uh, against the colonists, or they weren't you know rooting for one side or the other. But this Pennsylvania militia decided they voted a militia. Now they voted, and um and, and their vote was to uh, to kill them all. So what they did is they they took they separated the the women and children from the men, put them in two separate buildings, and then they um uh. <laughs> they they tied them all they tied them all up they told them that they were they were going to die these praying indians went into these in two separate and they and they prayed and so as they were on their knees praying these uh this this militia went in bound them tied them all up then clubbed them with mallets on the head and then killed them by scalping them now they after they they left their bloody corpses laying on the floor, then they burned the two buildings that they were in. So they bound them, they beat them, they bludgeoned them, and then they scalped them, and then they burnt their corpses in uh, in two of their own buildings. So, in case you were wondering about this whole idea of um, uh, an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions, twenty eight of those who were killed were men, twenty nine were women, and thirty nine were children. We could argue that it was probably more than 39 that were children because probably some of the older children were being listed as men and women, not as children. But even in the assessment done at that time, 28 men, including old men, 29 women, and 39 children were, were murdered by the colonists. So when, the, when Thomas Jefferson says that the king has excited domestic insurrection amongst us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers the merciless Indian savages. The merciless savages were not the native people. And, you know, and look, these guys, you know, these um, Moravians, these, these Lenape, who were in these devoted, devoted Christians, they were, again, you can't be missed. They were Christians. So they weren't even these heathens or pagans or, you know, these infidels. They were practicing Christians. And they were still, and, and do you think that Christianity saved them? Do you think, you know, the fact that they had, they, they shared the same faith as these, uh, as these white men? No, it didn't save them. They were murdered. Um, and I, you can't even say they were murdered like dogs. I mean, they, they were, 
It was more like um, uh, the way baby seals are bludgeoned. No, you, you bludgeon them in the head, and then you remove their hair. That's what, that's what happened. And, and look, it'd be great if we could say, well, that's just one example. Look, this, this is the easy one to find. This is the one you, you, you can look it up yourself. So, you know, so I cite both those two of the 27 charges, the one that, you know, that Jefferson claims the king, you know, was, was preventing them from appropriating more native lands and the charge that he makes that he was, he was inciting these native people to, uh, to commit these atrocities against their colonists. But if you go through all 27 charges, and most of them are crazy, you know, they're, 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 you know, they're BS. It's like, uh, um, they weren't. They wouldn't honor our laws that were passing. Yeah, because you weren't honoring the laws that the monarchy was passing. <clears throat> I mean, they, they talked about you know they weren't getting jury trials. Well, we don't get jury trials of our peers either. I mean, almost every charge that Jefferson makes against the king, the king of England, the colonies were guilty of the same things. Not just at the time, but would, would ultimately they'd be responsible for these same uh, crimes right up till today um uh, they would not let uh, um trade they they interfered um for cutting off our trade with all parts of the world look i talked about this just the other last show new york state and the federal government won't they are fining and and locking up and seizing product even as we trade native manufactured goods from one native territory to another so if that was the justification for for waging a war, well, I get a, I better load my gun then. I mean, he go, they go on to say that they were imposing taxes without consent. Yeah, we have a little of that going on here too. We've got the the state of New York believes that they can they can they have the right to tax the sales that we make on our territories if we make them to uh, to if you're in Seneca territory, they're saying only the Seneca sales are non non taxable. I mean, that, that's what they try to say. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying they're enforcing it, but once we take a product and we leave this territory and go to another territory, they're enforcing it. That's the, that's the Eric White case that, uh, you know, that, that we're concerned about. <clears throat> but you, you go through this whole thing. He, they talked about um, having a, uh, um, a standing army. And, and, and that they, uh, let's see, what are the, oh, yeah. Um, for quartering large bodies of armed troops among us. Well, what the hell do you think the whole reservation system was? Every one of those reservations was a military uh, installation. They had they had armed troops. That's exactly what the colonists did. And then then I love this one. After the, so the fourteenth charge was for quartering large bodies of armed troops among us. Then the next one says for protecting them by a mock trial from punishment for any murders which they should commit. Uh, on their inhabitants of these states. Look, the United States not only has mock trials for uh, for their military as they commit murder all, throughout the entire world. I mean, do you do you know how many of these, you know, even these these contracted mercenaries, how many of them have been been um uh, uh charged or or ruled guilty of murder? None of them. They're killing women and children all over the freaking world and they're not being charged. I mean, the, the abuses these children at the border are going through. Nobody's being charged. Missing and murdered indigenous women. The reason that this report uh, that was done on the Canadian side called the missing and murdered indigenous women issue a, uh, an act of genocide 
you know, because I had to think about this thing, and, and I, you know, and I had some debate. In fact, Laura Kuji, we, we talked about it on my show in New York. I, I was troubled with the use of, of, of genocide, but here's the reason. Here's the, here's the logic. It isn't just that the, the 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 Canadian government and the U.S. government turn a blind eye to these these murders and these kidnappings and the sex slave trade and all that stuff, and it isn't just that they're that they're somewhat complicit. Look. Many of these, uh, it turns out many of the, the women who turn up missing are, are turning up missing at the hands of police, RCMP, you know, provincial uh, authorities, you know, any, any number, you know, same thing on, on, the, on the U.S. side. We, you, ever, you ever hear of these, what they call, uh, um, geez, I want to call them twilight or midnight or, oh, there's an expression they use for when they would take these guys and they would um, drive them miles away from their, from, and then drop them off. Uh, there was another expression for it. I don't know if I'll, I'll, it'll come to me, but um, they, they call them like these midnight cruises or something like that. And and some of these guys would freeze to death trying to walk home because you know we're talking about North Dakota. Look, the United States is known for mock trials of police. That's what the Black Lives Matter issue is over. The fact that these these cops never uh, never held accountable. They they choked to death Eric Garner. Not only did the guy who choked him not get charged or, or, or you know or suffer any punishment, all five of the cops that were kneeling on him and, and, and assisting in this murder, none of them got in any trouble. Oh, they paid off the family a little bit, but these are they, I mean the mock trials that Jefferson is accusing <laughs> accusing the King of England uh, for conducting. That's what that's the history of the United States. Mock trials every time. Every time people of color are, are are abused. Look, it it's at some point. You know, if you look at the lynchings that took place. How many people do you think were ever charged with lynching a black man? None. The the, the death and destruction that took place at the Tulsa riots, you know, or, or any of the other uh, black communities that were destroyed or native. Nobody ever stood trial for the Sand Creek massacre or the Wounded Knee massacre. Nobody stands trial for this. Don't tell me about mock trials. You guys are you guys are the most famous for mock trials. All right, hey, we're we're at the bottom of this yes. hour of this show, so we'll, we'll take a break. We'll come back, we're, but I want to. You know, we're going to discuss this. I mean, because I think <laughs> people just don't understand that all of this rhetoric, and and people will hold up this this Declaration of Independence as this immortal, you know, just revered document, and most of it's crap. Most of it is an outright lie or, or just plain hypocrisy. We'll talk more about it when we come back. This is John Kane with Ed Schindler. This is Let's Talk Native. We'll be right back. Thanks. One of the other
right. Thanks for coming back. This is John Kane with Ed Schindler. Uh, look, I want to thank our sponsors. I want to thank Eric White and ERW Enterprises, uh, Ross and Holly John, and uh, the folks at RJE, Ross John Enterprises. Um, and uh, I've got another sponsor that uh, kind of lays in the wings, but uh, it's those three that provide consistent support. Look, I don't, I don't have, you know, I'm not on anybody's payroll here. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate to have those three provide, uh, provide support on a, on a weekly or, or, or monthly basis that allow us to do what we do here. And look, I, I've got to say it. I, I, I mention this all the time. I know some of the things that I say here, people don't necessarily agree with. I am not espousing the widely held views of things. When I start telling people that the Revolutionary War was fought over stealing native lands, you may have not ever heard anybody tell you that before. And you don't have to necessarily take my word for it, but do some research. Before you dismiss what I say, at least consider it. I mean, look at, first off, read the Declaration of Independence and look at the uh, the irony, and, and I won't even put it as I read the hypocrisy of this thing. Again, can't get past the idea that you've got a slave-holding, slave-raping white man, wealthy white man, you know, suggesting that all men are created equal and that, and that, and that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, uh, that among them were life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, he was talking about white people white men and you know and it is it is correct look you can go through the declaration of independence you can go through the the you know the articles of confederation the 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 u.s constitution they don't mention women in there and and to the extent that native people are mentioned we are always mentioned as something outside of them different separate we're not we are not a part of them now guys like uh like mark charles suggest that we should be part of we the people. Well, I'm saying no, we shouldn't. But let's not pretend that we were included because we weren't. And in fact, I'm comfortable with that. But the people who were uh, were subjugated by this because we weren't. We were not subjugated by these documents. We were characterized, but we weren't subjugated. Black men were. I mean, in in the U.S. Constitution, black men were listed as three fifths of a man. They weren't even. So they were still considered men. Ed, right? I mean, they were still committed, considered men, but they weren't going to be afforded the rights of a full man. We're going to say, we're, we're going to consider you three-fifths of a man. And, and, and to be clear, these, this three-fifths thing was, was a, a, a numbers game to empower the South with not only um, um, more, more of a population that they could, they could utilize for, uh, for, uh, to, to justify representation. It was about apportionment of, of congressmen that, and, and, uh, and the apportionment of taxes. That was gerrymandering of that time. Well, it's, and, and this is where the Electoral College comes from. All of this was about making sure that the slaveholding states would, would actually have a disproportionate amount of representation, power, money, you know, for their free population. Now they would they would include you know black men as three fifths of a man uh, of a man because they had you know oftentimes you'd have a plantation that would be have very few white people but a whole lot of black people living there. And now they didn't want to count them as full men because then they would actually have to consider them you know a, you know free citizens. Nope, they only wanted their population counted for the purposes of of money and power. So look, we're we're not a part of that uh, of that stuff. But I think it's, you know, if you don't, again, if you don't subscribe to some of the things that, I, that I'm suggesting here, I'm saying do your own research. 
I put, I'm, I'm putting this stuff out there. I'm making my case for my interpretation of not only the Declaration of Independence, but the facts that, that, that were out there. I mean, the colonists, I mean, not all native territories were, um, were involved in, um, a sophisticated level of trade with other countries, but we all had plenty of trade amongst ourselves. But, there were a few. The Cherokee, for instance. The Cherokee were actually engaged in full-scale trade with Haiti. With some of the islands of the Caribbean. Yeah. And the first thing that the, um, that the colonists did was stop that. So the, the very claim they make that the King of England was interfering with their trade with other countries or, or throughout the world is exactly what the, what the colonists did immediately. Now, they also began immediately affecting the uh, the trade that native people would have with each other, and and to be clear, when they drafted their constitution, one of the um, the mentions of native people, which has been grossly misinterpreted misinterpreted and characterized, is the commerce clause of the U.S. Constitution. And in the commerce clause of the Constitution, it says that Congress shall have the power to regulate commerce in and among several states with foreign nations and with Indian tribes. That's the language they use, not of Indians with Indians. And yet the Supreme Courts have held that that clause gave <laughs> plenary powers. You know what plenary means? It means absolute power. It gave Congress absolute power over Indians. That's one of the complaints that Thomas Jefferson makes of the king. He's saying the king was asserting absolute power and tyranny over the over, over the, the the inhabitants of these these states, these colonies. Well, you've had your courts, and once the courts made that ruling, based on this gross misinterpretation of the Commerce Clause, once they made that ruling, they said, well, Congress has plenary powers over, uh, and, and they have the right to regulate the meets and bounds of native sovereignty. Yeah, that's what your court said. And you know what? It's bullshit. It's simply not true. It doesn't say that Congress, according to your Constitution, had the power to regulate the, the commerce of native people it says the commerce with so they could regulate what their own people did in terms of trade it never says anything that they could regulate our trade internationally without with, with the cherokee trading with haiti for instance it never said that they had the authority under their constitution to regulate the trade that we would have amongst ourselves Congress had the power to regulate commerce in and among several states with foreign nations and with Indian tribes. That's all the Commerce Clause says. But getting back to, to what predates that, 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 um, that Constitution, it is so clear, and anybody who, who takes the time to do some research, they will learn that one of the driving forces to these white men, rich, wealthy white men, the ones who signed this, uh, this, this ridiculous document, was that they wanted, they wanted to, uh, to further enrich themselves. I mean, what do you think? I mean, you know what George Washington was paying his commissioned officers with? A promise. A promise of Indian land. Yeah, I mean, we still today will see that there are, uh, they call military tracks. George Washington was double dealing native people. Uh, on one hand, he was trying to promise, oh no, we're, your, your, land, your lands are secure. As he was telling native people, telling his representatives to tell native people that, 
he was telling his officers, you know, while you're while you're doing your battle here, you 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 look at the lands that were that you're going to be uh, rewarded with, and they were. You know, make no mistake about it. Everything, all the tyranny that Jefferson claimed the king was guilty of, and I'm not saying that the the claims were wrong. My argument is, everything that he accused the king of doing, they were doing and would do right up till today. Today, the United States still cannot reconcile the fact that that we don't accept, some of us don't. Look, I again, not pretending to speak for all Native people. Many of you, look, I saw you guys putting out your flags for, for Independence Day. I saw, I saw some of you. I saw your, your, your lighted banners and everything else. I, you know, I, I see it. I get it. I know how patriotic some of you are. I know how you guys, you know, sign up for, to fight in the, you know, for the U.S. military. Yeah. Look, you're, you're, you're proud to vote for your, <laughs> you know, vote to, for your, for your own oppressors. Agents, vote for your own agents of oppression. Look, I get it. But not all of us do. And, we had generations, generations of Native people who rejected this subjugation uh, to the United States. 1924, when the United States passes the Citizenship Act, our people didn't accept that. The Haudenosaunee didn't accept that. We seem pretty accepting of it now. But are we, I mean, the first time draft notices, Ed, what, what did the, what the Six Nations do um, when... Um, when draft notices got sent out for World War II. Signed up. But the, but and, and the ones that wanted to not sign up. They... But if you recall, I mean, the, the, the chiefs, remember they went to Washington? They said, yes. well, we need to declare war separately. Yes. So the chiefs went down to Washington and they made their own declaration of war um, against the Axis powers. So they could justify it. No, you didn't know. You didn't know this. Oh, oh, you gotta look this up. No, there's pictures. You can find that a lot. You're, you got the computer for it. Yeah, you gotta look this up. It's beautiful. If you find it, you know, maybe you can throw it on the on the screen here. There's pictures of of our chiefs going to Washington to to, to sign a declaration of war against the Axis powers. That that's the way they could justify more. You know, more justify. I guess uh, our people participating in 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 that war. <clears throat> and but there was direct opposition to the idea of, of forced enlistment. There was direct right. opposition. And, and today, there still is opposition. I mean, look, uh, right now, all 18-year-olds are supposed to register for the draft. Many people don't. Many people aren't willing to register for the draft. And uh, look, there, there's some consequences for not doing it, but that's, we have never accepted this, this forced conscription, as they call it. But you know, you know. Again, I know there's a, people enlist in the armed forces at a higher rate proportionally than any other group of, uh, of people, any any other distinct group of people in, in North America. So I know when I when I say, when, and I put these challenges out there, these, these historic challenges, I'm not doing this based on you know something I dreamt up. Even the Second Amendment, you know, and uh, you've got Roxanne's uh, book there. Hold it up here. This is Roxanne Dunbar Ortiz. She joined me in um, uh, in New York for my show when I was talking about this issue. She talks about the Second Amendment, and she makes it very clear. Look, they didn't need to um, grant the right to to keep arms in the Constitution. 
They didn't need to do it. That, or, that right already existed. The reason for the Second Amendment was to encourage more and more people to have guns for two reasons. Slave patrols and fighting off uh, hostile Indians. Now, why do you think Native people would, would have been hostile? Uh, I, I know the, the assumption could be is that we were just somehow evil creatures, I guess. No. The reason that Native people were hostile was because of, because of land, um, land theft. I mean, even when we leased land, what would end up happening is, is white people would say, no, we're not going to pay you. And, and then we would not have any means for, um, uh, for enforcing any, any, you know, the, the, the breach of the lease. It's, it's funny thing. You, you mentioned um, the Canandaigua Treaty. Mm-hmm. Article 7 of the Canandaigua Treaty is a provision that basically tries to keep peace. George Washington's men wrote this up. They didn't want our people retaliating for the crimes that white men would commit against our people. I mean, that was the real reason for Article, Article 7 of the Canandaigua Treaty. They didn't want us to retaliate. So they, they come up with an equitable provision. And what they said is, look, if a white man commits a crime against a, a Native people, you will petition the, uh, the President of the United States or his assignees, and um, they will make sure that justice is served on the, for that violation. Now, reciprocating, <clears throat> if a Native person committed a crime, it was it was upon the white men to uh, to petition the chiefs, or, or you know, or, or assignees, to make sure that that we properly um, dealt justice with uh, with a violation that we would commit. But it wasn't about us violating you know violating white people. This was about their concern, and again, this was it says very very clearly, you know, lest we keep the peace. That's what it was, you know, the whole provision was about keeping peace between the Haudenosaunee and the Americans. Because the, the, the whole revolutionary war, this war of independence, was based on, it, it was based on uh, these colonies wanting to take more from Native people. So they had to figure out, well, how can we, how can we try to maintain some peace? And so what's the language in the Canandaigua Treaty? It says the United States recognize that our land is ours and they will never claim the same, nor will they disturb us in the free use and enjoyment of our, uh, of those lands or our friends and allies who live amongst us. That's, and it's mentioned three times, three times in, in the Canadago Treaty. There's a full acknowledgement. All that doctrine of discovery stuff that, that, that Justice John Marshall would, would codify into law 30 years later never takes into account the fact that, that there was already language signed by the, the representatives of the president, acknowledging that we, not only could we own land, that we had the legal right to own land, but that we did own the land. I mean, and, and so, and the, and the crazy part, I always, I always talk about um, uh, John Marshall. He, he, when he equated this, this notion of discovery uh, to be the same as conquest, he called it an extravagant pretension. He says, however extravagant the pretension is to convert an inhabited country into a conquered country, however extravagant it is, if we can um, make that claim in the first instance and sustain it, it becomes law and it cannot be challenged. Well, the problem with that is they didn't make it in the first instance. 30 years before, John, uh, Marshall would even make this ridiculous, absurd, extravagant, pretentious claim. You had the, the President of the United States 
writing up documents acknowledging that we owned our land. So, I mean, it, again, the hypocrisy and the inconsistency, the the contradictions of law, the contradictions of of of, of policy, and again, the outright hypocrisy. When you read, and, and look, I encourage. It's not a very long document, the Declaration of Independence. I mean, it really isn't. I encourage people to read it because you can't read it and not see what BS the whole thing really is. Especially when you get into the 27 complaints that Jefferson makes against the King of England. Keep in mind that they did this with the intent to kill their their blood relatives, their countrymen. So, I mean, you have to think about when they say let the facts be submitted to a candid world, their justification, not just for claiming independence, but to kill for it. That's what you have to keep in mind, that they were prepared to kill for. And, you know, the other one, the Boston Tea Party. Yes. I mean, you know what gets lost in all of that? There's, you know, and we, we hear, and they almost make it sound like those, those people were mocking, mockingly dressed as Native people. They weren't really trying to describe, you know, disguise themselves as Native people. They were trying to cover up their own identity as they were throwing this this um, tea in off the, uh, you know, they were it was big a, a tax protest. But the reason that they dressed as Native people was because they were trying to fly that in the face of England because they felt like England was siding with Native people. So they said, "Well, we'll, we'll give you your Indians." So they dressed up as, as, as uh, I, I was told they were dressed as Mohawks. I don't know if it was that specific. No. But they dressed up as Native people, went on to these, boarded these ships, pushed away um, their, the guards, and threw these, this taxable product in, uh, and destroy, ruined a bunch of um, uh, taxable product. And, but they, the whole idea of dressing as Native people was, again, another example of how much the, those people hated Native people. And they hated the fact that the Great Britain was at least giving some level of consideration to trying to maintain peace with Native people. Boston Tea Party was a framing job. <clears throat> That's basically all that it was. Is they framed the Native people in order to destroy any um, any agreement between England and the Natives. Well, and I don't even know if they were legitimately trying to pass off that native people were doing. Native people had no reason to throw no. this stuff overboard. But, <laughs> but I think I think the whole idea was to put on this vulgar display, you know. And, and obviously, it was a protest. This wasn't, you know, it wasn't, you know, enough money to have br- broken anybody's treasury or anything no. else. But they they did this. They did this demonstration. They dressed up as Native people, not just to cast blame on Native people, but to make it fly in the face of England, who in their, again, and it's, you, you, you can read it in the Declaration of Independence, and if you look at any of the, the notations, any of the, the correspondences that were taking place during, um, during this time, it is so clear that, the, uh, that you know, especially in the southern states, but not only in the southern states, that so many of them were were uh, were hating the idea that that they, that they could not just go in and steal all this native land, and you know, and especially since you know the, you you saw that native people were, were productive, that we that we not only did we weren't living a subsistence existence, we were thriving in our lands. That we we know how to plant, 
We knew how to how to how to feed ourselves and how to maintain order without their rigid hierarchies of kings and queens and and guards and soldiers and jails and courts and all that stuff. They knew all. We knew how to do that stuff without any of their um, their bureaucracy. So they were hell bent on uh, on on. They were so bent on violating us that they were willing to kill their fellow white men to do it. And and look, if you think I'm wrong, then prove me wrong. Then and and I I accept the challenge and and we can have this debate. But I don't think you can make a solid case to suggest that that the um the anger that the colonists had towards the king was not somehow related to the royal proclamation of 1763 and the fact that the that the king was trying to uh, maintain not only maintaining peace with native people but but was so committed to maintaining peace with native people that they he didn't want to see a mass um appropriation of native lands that could that could have resulted in bloodshed then there's also the um the Supreme Court of the U.S. ruled that the Cherokees owned their land. And the president of the U.S. said, let's see you enforce it. And he sent in troops and caused the Cherokees to be relocated to Oklahoma. Well, that was a, that was the Jackson administration. And yes. what Jackson basically, he was the actually the only president to actually defy a ruling. And this was a Cherokee case, and, and it was one where, in spite of Johnson's rulings on Doctrine of Discovery and everything else, he did attempt to uh, to right some of that wrong, and in uh, uh, I think it was Worcester versus Cherokee or something like that. Um, he ruled in favor of the Cherokee, and Jackson said, "Well, you've got your ruling now. Let's see you enforce it." He goes, "I've got the army," and so ja- so Jackson absolutely violated. But even going before, I mean, I got to get back to Thomas Jefferson. Now, one of the things that, that Jefferson also did, and 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 I've talked about this letter that he wrote to the governor of Indiana, I think it was uh, Harrison. And and basically what he said, he encouraged he was encouraging white people to trade with native people. He said it is important that we, we that we seek out the those native people who are willing to, to to conduct trade and that we that we offer them lines of credit. He says it is important to run them into debt because when they get this debt and a debt they can't handle, they'll lop off that debt with their land. And once they start lopping off their uh, that debt with their land. We will have them so he um, so, them circumscribed. We'll have them surrounded, and native people will be forced to do one of two things: if they want to maintain their distinction, then they're going to have to leave. They won't be able to live amongst us and maintain this native identity. So they can either stay here and conform and and assimilate, or they can move. Uh, we or we'll move them west of the Mississippi. And you know what he said. He said, and if they should, should raise their, their hatchet, raise their tomahawk, we'll crush them. We'll, we'll, we'll exterminate them. We'll exterminate every last one of them. That's Thomas Jefferson. He was considered the enlightened one. He says, no, we'll, we'll, we're going to exterminate them. If they dare to resist what we're, what our final, and he called it, and he actually called it our final solution. That sounds like, you know Nazi stuff, right? Right. The, the, the final solution, and he goes, and and if they resist our resist our final resolution to uh, to the Indian problem, which is either to convert them and assimilate them or move them the hell out of our way. 
I mean, this is Thomas Jefferson, the same one who wrote the Declaration of Independence. You think this wasn't a change of heart? This was right from the very very start. I think it's it it you know the the idea that 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 we as native people have bought this BS they sold us. And like I said, I'm sorry. I saw, I saw the flags waving, you know, on Thursday. Right here on 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 Cataraugus. I look, I saw the red, white and blue, you know, signs and you know, put out in the yards. I mean, jeez, give me a freaking break. And Thomas Jefferson was the president of the Louisiana Purchase and took all the land that he could, even west of the Mississippi. Well, I mean, and, and to be clear, the way, I mean, the Louisiana Purchase, which is just this outright fraud anyway, yes. <laughs> um, it is land that Spain claimed. They sold their discovery title to France, and then France sells it to, uh, sells it to, the the Americans the the the, uh, the United States when Jefferson was selling this idea especially to the Southern states you know how he sold it he said this is where we're going to move the Indians to the, part of the reason for buying this 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 discovery title to the Louisiana Purchase was because it was the absolute plan everybody associates Jackson with the with the Removal Act but the idea of removing Native people started with Jefferson. Right, I mean, right from the start, and his Louisiana purchase the whole, the entire reason, and they don't teach you this to teach this to uh, anybody in uh, history class either. The entire reason for the uh, Louisiana purchase was not just for for not just for land speculation in the future; it was to immediately provide a place that they could move, remove native people to. That's what that's what it was all about. Anyway, so I encourage people look if you don't. If, if you don't agree with what I what I've talked about here, and it, look, and I don't I don't make any apologies for for covering this issue again after after dealing with it in my with my New York show. Mm-hmm. I just think it's important enough that people need to understand what what true history is. And look, and I heard somebody say somebody posted, you know, instead of complaining about the past, we should be uh, concerned about what we're doing in the future. Look, here's the problem: if we don't highlight and teach the real truth of history then we will be ignorant to it and we will allow the same things to happen over and over and over again. The only way you can prevent these kinds of injustices from happening time and time again, and again, we've got to point out that missing and murdered indigenous women has a direct line back to, the, you know, back to this Declaration of Independence. It, it, the, the, the fact that Eric, Eric White is being fined $1.3 million dollars how do you not recognize the fact that you've got Thomas Jefferson complaining that uh, that the King of England was interfering with their trade? We can't just pretend that th- that what we're up against now is just somehow an anomaly based on them not understanding that we that we still have this this fantasy that we're somehow distinct. No, we're saying that we are distinct, and it has been the design of the United States to cut our throats. From day one, and that's not just a complaint. That's that's just about characterizing history um, accurately. All right, I want to thank you guys for listening. We're pretty much out of time. Um, we'll uh, we'll post this up on uh, as a podcast, and you'll get a chance to share it after the fact. And uh, uh, again, I, I appreciate all of you who, who share the show. I, uh, my my wife who, who shares the show on uh, on so many Facebook group pages, and um, I, I appreciate you guys listening.
We'll talk soon. This is John Kane with Ed Chindler. This is Let's Talk Native. Nyawai. Nyawai.